a couple of corrections. <laughs> My dad was a farmer, so I started driving tractor when I was 11. And so I credit solitary confinement for the way I am. It was, it was a, it's, it's whenever you're 11 to, I think I drove till I was about 15, and you're sitting on the tractor every day. I was homeschooled, so I, uh, yeah, basically just drove tractor <laughs> from day until day out. So that's got a little bit of, uh, my dad was, a, he was a, a pastor for a part of, uh, part of his career, and um, always looked up to him. And he was he was a good father and a good mentor. But I I, I really think that um, the main thing he taught me was was to um, to always look for where you're wrong and try to fix it. And and uh, and my mom is just a, a amazing um, amazing woman that doesn't can't hold a grudge against anybody can't can't speak a bad word against anybody, just a very, very tender-hearted lady, and I'm, I'm hoping that some of my influences come from that. Other than that, I, I'm a rough one to be around. <laughs> but my t- talk today, I'm, I'm not really great at freestyling it, so I'm going to read a lot. <laughs> and I'm not really great at placing scriptures where they belong in my message. So I've got them written down on the opposite page in my book here. So when I come to a scripture, I'm just going to hop over and I'm going to read it. And I want you guys to grab onto it, listen to it, and then insert it into the message where it goes. It might be a few pages de- later, but it's going to go in there somewhere. So I, I, I kind of, I'm that way. It makes sense to me at the time when I write them down, but then later when I back read through it, I'm like, well... You know, Holy Spirit, just just touch them and, and let them and let them put that that scripture where it goes in my message. <laughs> this it's kind of on. I'm starting off with financial stuff because this is how Jesus talked a lot of times. Whenever he was talking to people, as he talked about money, he talked about debt, he talked about these different things um, as part of his parables, as part of as a way of explaining to it. Because we understand that stuff; it's physical. We can we can. Yeah, but really, the title of my message is Freedom and Righteousness. But we're starting off with debt. Um, I've been in debt, and I've had lots of people in debt to me. The way I've found it works is that one party gets money from the other party, and the other party holds something as collateral. One thing I've found is you must always give collateral. The collateral is there to give the borrower a reason to pay back the debt, I've given loans that had no physical collateral, and I lost my money. I've given other loans that had collateral, but it wasn't worth as much as the debt, and just like no collateral, has about the same effect. You lose your money. So one thing I've found is that there is always collateral. Even when I thought there was none. Even when there was no physical collateral, the borrower gave their relationship with me as collateral. When they didn't pay it back, they lost it just as they would of any physical thing. One thing I've learned about making loans is that uh, to always get collateral that is worth more than what you loan for it. If I don't have a strong relationship with the, with the one that I'm, uh, I will require 
double the value collateral with interest. I have a framer here in town that uh, constantly needs loans. <laughs> and he'll, he'll bring me about $3,800 in guns, and I'll hold them, and I give him 2000 bucks, and in about three weeks, he'll bring me 2300 back. He's done this probably six or seven times, and I've made about 2000 bucks off of him. And every time, he comes back because he's got more. I've got more of what he needs than what I give him. Just like with physical objects uh, that don't make a loan based on relationship unless one of two things is true. Either you're willing to lose the relationship or the relationship is worth twice what you trade for it. I've got uh, Luke 14, 28. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Just hold that in there. Remember that. <laughs> Either way, whoever holds the most valued item is the master, and the other is the slave. Proverbs 22.7, the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower becomes the slave to the lender. If the borrower gives something more valuable than the payment he receives, he will continually do whatever it takes to try to get it back, what was lost, even if he no longer wants to. He is a slave to the lender. Likewise, if a lender gives more for collateral than, is, than it is worth, then he will do whatever it takes to increase his chances of repayment. Romans 13.8 Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. I had a worker that borrowed money from me and always promised he would work it off. I was young and dumb, and with his constant dilemmas, he eventually owed me about 3500 bucks. He became a worker that I no longer wanted, and I was a slave to him. For if I fired him, I would no longer be able to have him work it off. He knew this and would use it to keep his job. He would say things like, I need to pay you back something. Let me come to work. If I don't work, I can't pay you back. All the while, becoming more and more worthless. I came to the realization that as long as he owed me the uh, he would be in my life and in my mind. I told him to get in the truck one day, and I took him to the bank, and I wrote him a $3,500 check. I had him cash it and hand it back to me. I said, there, your debt is paid. You don't owe me a thing. You As I took him home, he tried to convince me of why I should keep him, but he had nothing. As I drove away, I looked at that money that it was in my hand, and I thought of the time it took me to, to earn it. And now I was free. I became willing to lose my relationship with him and the money. I also have a friend that I cared for very much that asked if he could uh, use my account at the lumberyard uh, to do a job for a mutual friend of ours. He said he would only charge about 1500 bucks and he would pay it back before my bill came due. Um, this friend... Uh, like my worker, always had a story, always had a problem and a dilemma. Before I knew it, my bill was due up at the lumberyard, and he was not able to pay it. Whenever I went to pay it, I found it to be about $5,500, slightly more than what I was told I was getting into. Once again, I found myself holding nothing more than a relationship in place of money. It was different this time. This time, it was a relationship that I valued. The thing about holding a relationship as collateral is that as long as it is collateral, it's not a relationship. 
Neither one of you can use it or make it grow. One of you will always be a slave or a servant, and the other will be a default master. Anyway, I found myself in this position. Just like my worker, my friend had no way of paying me back. Every promise, hope, and story just led to nothing. His attempt to come up with a way to make it right just ended in more disappointment. We both had something we lost that we wanted back. As long as it was known to both of us that he owed me, things would not be the same. I came to the realization that he was never going to be able to pay off his debt. The state of mind he was in and his nature and tendencies would constantly prevent him from ever being able to pay me back anything. The feeble attempts of to do free things for me uh, would just didn't have any meaning and uh, were done out of guilt and got him no closer to getting a relationship back than doing nothing. He was in an endless spiral and could do nothing to end it on his own. If it was ever going to be end, the relationship was in relationship restored, I was going to have to forgive and remove his debt. I decided to do just that. I would get rid of his debt so far that even if he tried to pay me back, he wouldn't, I wouldn't let him. Romans 13, 7. Render to all what is due them. Uh, tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom custom is due, fear to whom fear, and honor to honor. This is the opportunity... Uh, Unlike my worker, this was not to get rid of him, but to get him back. This was an opportunity for us to both get what we wanted, our relationship back. Luke 6.30. Give to everyone who asks you, and whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Through all of this, I remembered one of the debts that I had had, where I was in the same boat. I owed more than I could ever hope or dream to pay, on my own. I did all the same things as my friend and worker. I would promise to make payments, promise to work it off, promise to stop making bad decisions. I would do little things out of guilt and to earn favor and hopefully some temporary relationship till I let him down again. Sometimes I would be feeling okay like I was caught up or something and then I would be confronted with just how big my debt was and I would fall again. Psalms 103.12, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As he probably guessed, the debt I'm talking about was my debt of sin. My nature and tendencies continually prevented me from ever coming anywhere close to paying it off. I would never be able to get my relationship with God that was held as collateral for the sin. I was completely helpless on my own, and we both knew it. I was a slave to sin and he was the overbearing default master by no fault of his own. Knowing this, uh, he said that relationship was held as collateral, not because it was all I had, but because it was infinitely more valuable than my debt of sin. He also knew that as long as I had the debt of sin, our relationship would be one of a servant to a master and could not grow or change. He decided to pay it off, the debt of sin, himself, to give me the opportunity for relationship once more. I say opportunity because just like my friend, even though I no longer owed anything or was required to pay anything, I could still not believe or accept it and continue to try to make it up on my own. I would for years struggle with sin on my own and tell God how sorry I was for things and try to be 
really good to make up for it or give up and pretend that God still was holding our relationship as collateral. Living as his slave to a debt I did not owe. See, as long as I still saw myself as, as uh, in debt, then my relationship with God was still collateral for that debt and not that of a friend or a son. And it was limited and could never grow or change. I could not have a relationship with God until I understood the debt was gone. Only when I finally believed him when he said the debt is gone was I able to enjoy the relationship with him. Galatians 2.18, For if I rebuild what I have once destroyed, I prove myself to be a transgressor. I once had the relationship, once I had the relationship back, um, I had very little desire to trade it for sin. If I tried, he, would, he told me that there was nothing I could do that wasn't paid for. Now, when I had things, uh, when I asked things for God, or now when I did things for God, it wasn't out of trying to gain anything, but simply out of complete appreciation for what he had done. I didn't have to try so hard on my own because he was there in it with me. I didn't have to work to stop sinning or to do anything, the right things. I owed God nothing, not that I never did, but that he had set me free from sin, debt, and into freedom of relationship. Galatians 5.1, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Once I experienced freedom from my debt through God's forgiveness of it, I wanted that in every area of my life. The only problem was that if I was going to, to have freedom, I was going to have to be the one, in many cases, that forgave. I had a small builder that had, I'd worked for before and asked me to build a pool house and, and some, a job on two houses. He racked up a debt of about $10,000 before he split town right when it was time to pay. He promised me he would, he would pay me, and never, uh, I never pursued legal action against him. And finally, I lost contact with him. I figured that he was long gone. But one day after two years, I saw him at a pawn shop here in Amarillo. I waited till he walked out, and then I approached him. He told me that I was on the front of his mind and that as soon as he got back on his feet, he would pay me and, and proceeded to tell me how he had lost it all and of the health and mental problems that had contributed to him hurting me and a bunch of others. As he talked, I looked in his eyes and I saw a broken man. I pictured Jesus looking into my eyes like that, knowing that I had no chance of ever making it right. I stopped him and said, here's what I'm going to do. You're forgiven and you owe me nothing. He stuttered and he said, I'm going to pay you you're, as soon as I can, as soon as I get back on my feet. He said, you're on the front of my list. I told him there was no need because there no longer was a debt. If he owed me nothing and if he ever did get back on his feet, that to give that money to others that he had hurt. Then I asked if I could pray for him. And I put my hands on his shoulders and asked God for his success and his healing to come over his life and that he would be blessed and bless others. I felt peace and freedom come over me. There had been pain and hurt before every time I had thought about that money. Now there was only opportunity and love. You see, money is just a physical representation of our hearts. You've heard it said, the love of money is the root of all evil. Well, money is just a representation of ourselves. Our hearts 
and our love of ourself. It's selfishness, and that's evilness. Evil selfishness wants to look at what we have physically or what we are owed or owe and what we've lost. As long as we have relationships tied to physical objects, we are not free. Whatever you are, whether you are the borrower or the lender, God gave us money as a tool. Money is the single best tool you are given to see the state of your heart. The way we spend the mo- and look at money run parallel to our heart like nothing else. Many of us would love for God to just give us an accounting of our heart. Well, money is the single best way that I know of to do that. You want to know if you're if you are delusional, write down everything you think you are, everything that means something to you, what you think you are worth, and what God and others mean to you. And then sit down and write down what you use money for, how you spend it, how, you, how it makes you feel. If the two don't line up, then you need to check yourself. This isn't a money message, it's a freedom message. God desires freedom in every area of our lives. And if you are the, a slave to money... By that, I mean if you think that if you gave what you have that God couldn't or wouldn't give it back or supply all your needs, that how good uh, you have been with it is part of who you are. If it is more valuable than a relationship, if the debt you have is too big or too uh, to do God's will right now, or if you think you need it for, to make major life decisions based more on money than prayer. Then you are a slave in some capacity to money, and quite possibly more. God will never ask you to use money foolishly. He will always ask you to do many things with it that will not benefit you the way that you think. But every penny you give up for His will is well spent. It is our tendency to judge the big picture by money when God prompts Uh, to check our account balance before we pray, to think of what we owe or are owed. God's desire is that our hearts uh, to be truly free, to judge money by the big picture, using reliance and responsibility to free our hearts from our debt, using forgiveness and love to free relationships from what we are owed, using peace and joy in our giving and trust and patience in our need self-control and faith in our abundance. Luke 14:33. So then none of you can be my disciples who does not give up all his own possessions. Money and debt are terms we can understand, but somehow forgiveness is hard for us to comp- comprehend. Matthew 5:23 through 24. Therefore, if you are present presenting your offering at the altar, And there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your offering there before the altar and go first and reconcile to your brother and then come and present your offering. Yet, if we do not understand forgiveness, you are in danger of losing your soul. Forgiveness is not about loss, it's about gain. When you give up what you think you are owed, or for that matter, owe, You are turning it over to God 
and he is now responsible for that debt. If you have unforgiveness in any area of your life, you don't completely understand what Jesus did for you. Now for the freestyle part. <laughs> it, it, being able to release money in my life for the benefit of others taught me about forgiveness. And it goes beyond money. A lot of us have debts. A lot of us have people that are in debt to us. But just like money, how we can attach a relationship to things, we attach relationships to all number of things that we think we are owed or debts incurred. Unforgiveness is essentially debt. We're holding a debt against someone. Um, there's, as Curtis has talked about, there's different kinds of debts. There's, there's debts people can't pay back because of who they are. And there's debts that people won't pay back because of who they are. But anytime there's a debt... There's a, a servant and a master, no matter, what, no, no matter what. And so whenever there's a relationship attached to physical objects, words, debt, actions, whenever we attach a relationship to that, we create a debt. And whenever there's a debt, there's not freedom, either for us or for them. And so one of the hardest things for me was... Um, forgiving my ex-wife. Uh, when she left, I, I, was, I was full of unforgiveness. And, and uh, it, it was hard for me. It was a debt, and I was a slave to it. And I realized that, you know, going through this, forgiving others, I was like, you know, why, what? If I, have, if I can't forgive someone, then I don't understand forgiveness. And that puts me in, je in jeopardy. So I have to forgive in every area of my life, no matter what, no matter what the other person does, no matter if they're a repeat offender and they keep on doing it. You know, it's hard when you have kids in the home and you, and you feel like they're being hurt constantly. And the thing that hurts you the first time is what keeps hurting. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're not responsible for that. You know, you're not responsible for that. If, I, if I'm responsible for that, <laughs> then I should feel terrible. But I can't. I can't, I, can't, uh, I can't determine how they turn out. I can't determine what God does or doesn't do in their life. I know every hard time that's ever happened in my life, God has used for good. So why wouldn't he do it for them? You know, it's, it's, it's one of these things where I, I, if I make myself responsible for everything, then what, what am I going to do? You know, I, I have to, as part of our agreement, I've got to give her 70000 a year. That's that's rough. I could I could that's a debt. I can't get out of that debt. I can't just release it. I can't get out of, out of that out of that uh, cost. And I could it'd be easy for me to sit back and say oh, I can't do anything else with my life. That's my number one priority. I have to I have to take care of that. I have to I I, I can't serve God the way I need to or do the things or give the way I need to because I have this debt. And uh, I could do that too. I could I could be a, I could I could just like anything else. I could create. A, a situation of unfreedom <laughs> when in reality is if I'm serving God and I'm and my life is turned over to him I give up all my physical possessions I give up all my debt debt is something that we hold as a physical possession a lot of times in our life 
And we need to turn that over to God. You know, if we're responsible in our debts where we have been debt, in debt to others and we don't let a relationship be attached to that, God will take care of it. God has blessed me more since I've turned that over to him than I ever thought it was possible. And I haven't even had to worry about it. So it's, it's the same way with any other debt in our life, no matter what it, whether it's money or anything else. We need to search for freedom because freedom is where it is where is what salvation <laughs> he came to set us free and to be free indeed and he didn't want us in bondage in any area of our life so a good place to start i found is financially if you've got somebody that's in debt to you don't attach relationship to it i'm not saying forgive everybody that's in debt to you uh, of their debt what i'm saying is is that if there's people that can pay you back let them pay you back don't stand there and demand it. If there's people that can't pay you back, realize that. Be real about it and, and end it. Get, get rid of that debt. And really get rid of it. Don't say, well, he, you know, they owe me this, kind of, but I've forgiven them of that. So. But if they walked up to you and tried to hand it to you, you'd take it. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is, you don't owe me. You don't owe me. So, anyway... That's kind of my message today, and uh, kind of, I don't know if it's short or long, but, <laughs> so anyway, maybe that guy, uh, I'm sorry that the whole thing was tension, maybe I should have, <laughs> but you can sort it out. <laughs>